Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Paranormal Roundtable. I'm your host, Josh Turner. They call me Wolf. They they being friends. And uh, with me tonight is my co-host, Barton Nunley. Barton, you want to say hi? Hello, everyone. Hope you're doing well tonight. And uh, so what what we're doing here, this is uh, another one of the... Uh, of the series of of, uh, interviews slash discussions that me and Barton have embarked on. Um, And what we're doing tonight, we're going to interview someone and we're going to bring him on in a minute. But first, let me explain to you what's going on here. Um, For for those of you who don't know how to get a hold of me, it's uh, Josh Turner at PRTpodcast.com, Josh Turner at PRTpodcast.com. And I have um, a Facebook account. You can get uh, through to me through Facebook Messenger if we're friends and if we're not friends the way to make friends is to send me a message and say hey I listen to the show and I like it and blah 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 and let's be friends now I get tons of friend requests and I don't approve them because people aren't telling me that they're my friend and if you listen to the show you would already know that I've said that like a hundred times to message me through Messenger not just send me a friend request so obviously if you're just sending me a friend request and you're not telling me that then you don't watch the show we're not you know I don't look at just being mutuals, like having two or 300 mutuals as a good reason to be friends with someone. I'm sorry. I just don't do that. I'm not one of these people that has 5,000 Facebook friends. Uh, that being said, I try to keep it streamlined and just, you know, keep people that I'll be actually communicating with at different times. Um, Instagram, Josh Turner 940. That's how you can get a hold of me on Instagram, Josh Turner 940. And I'm, I barely do anything on Twitter. I just, I don't really like it. It's not really something for me. Um, if you use it, that's fine, but don't expect to see me much on there at this point. So that's my social media. And I have uh, a lot of groups, Paranormal Roundtable being the main one. And then we have Paranormal Lounge. And then, of course, Barton, he has a new group and it is called uh, Inhumanoids with Barton Nunley. And he's doing, he's doing that. And so for those of you who are interested, me and Barton are going to be at the Bigfoot conference, uh, South Texas Bigfoot conference is put on every year by Craig Woolheater in Jefferson, Texas. So we'll be, we'll be there doing that. And we're looking forward to hanging out and going there. Uh, Ken Gerhardt will be speaking along with Lyle Blackburn. Our friend Michigan Rob will be there along with several other of our friends, and so come out and, and hang out at the uh, – you can get tickets through Eventbrite. I believe it's going to be the 14th, the 15th, and 16th, I believe. Um, so it's like a three-day event. Uh, so if anybody's interested in that, uh, go check it out. So let's get right into it. Tonight we have a guest. Uh, his name is Daryl. Daryl, you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, my name is Daryl Jensen. Um, I'm from uh, Robertson County, Tennessee. Um, my first time on Josh's show. Thank you for having me. No, my pleasure. And so, Daryl, you what, what? What? You grew up in Tennessee, like most of your life. I lived, lived in Tennessee all my life. Yes. Yeah. And and you were actually friends with uh, another person who's been on my on my show, Martin Groves. Is that correct? friends for over 40 years uh i actually live about 10 minutes from each other okay yeah and and you know barton i know barton i met him uh actually just met barton at the uh conference in paris tennessee the paranormal roundtable conference that you put together back in august and uh i've known of barton for quite a while and but that's when i first time i'd ever actually met barton yeah, it was, a, it was a pleasure meeting you, Daryl. Pleasure meeting you. Become a good friend, and I appreciate your kindness and your honesty. And and so Same here. Same you, here. You, you're from Kentucky, Barton, and Daryl, you're from Tennessee, and y'all actually yeah. don't live far from each other, right? I mean, originally. Yeah, a couple, he lives a couple hours away from me, I'd say. Probably about right. I'm not sure exactly how far it is. I believe it's Henderson, uh, Kentucky, you're in. Is that right, Barton? Right, that's right. Yeah, I think probably a couple hours. Yeah, two or three hours at most. Yeah, and at one t- at one time, Daryl, you were the mayor, right of uh, of your town that you lived in, um, Ridgetop. Right, I, uh, 
the mayor there, and well, I was I was actually alderman and commissioner and mayor and involved in all that for about 26 years. And Martin Groves at that time was a friend. Uh, he was with the Robertson County Sheriff's Department, and he and I met with each other and had a lot of conversations, friends for a long time. Yeah. And so, and you, and now you're on the show because you've had experiences and you, you have encountered Bigfoot or what you believe to be a Sasquatch, Bigfoot. Oh yeah. My, my first experience was, uh, November the 6th, 1992. And that was in Cannon County, Tennessee, uh, where my grandfather had lived all his life on his farm. He had a good sized farm and, I was able to hunt on his farm and the adjoining farms that met his property. His friends allowed me to, and that was when my first encounter took place. That changed my life forever. So, um, took me a long time to get over that. I don't think I've ever completely got over it. And when you say like it changed your life, like, uh, can you elaborate? Like, like how, like, I mean, it negatively? Well, it, it, it was quite a while before I actually, I was actually able to really um, even sleep at night because, um, you know, I've always, I don't know that I ever didn't believe in Bigfoot. I really never even thought about Bigfoot. I'd heard about it as a kid and growing up and, of course, I've seen rerun of, I think, Boggy Creek and that type of thing. But I thought if, you know, if Bigfoot was real, then they lived more out in the West, in Oregon or Washington, British Columbia, Canada, that area, because that seemed like where most of the sightings were. So, but I didn't realize they lived in this area. Yeah, they're all over Tennessee and Kentucky, Daryl. Yeah, I think Barton can tell you that they're all over the place in in, in that area. Uh, it's interesting because one one of the theories I have is because of the cave systems. Like that is one of the things I'm not a hundred percent. You know, like like I'm in the in the process right now of writing a book, and one of the theories that I propose, and and, and it, it's about Dogman in particular, but. It, it kind of goes for Bigfoot too. I think these creatures that 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 we encounter, I think a lot of them actually come up from you know the inner earth, um, you know, and what and how and what they do, what they do, and how they you know manifest themselves is I, it's speculation, but I think that there is some sort of like place that they inhabit within the earth. And and I have a lot of reasons for that because a lot of the sightings that that go on, they are around cave systems. It just seems like it just makes sense that they would be, like you know, in the mountainous areas. There's always these cave systems, and um, that's just that's just one of the things that I think. When you had your first encounter, Daryl, wh- where was it at? And like like you want to tell us what happened? Like where? Like what happened? Yeah, you want me to start off and just go through what. Had all led to ha- to the actual encounter itself. Or? Yeah, everything. Just tell us what, what you know. Okay. Well, by every year, this uh, since probably 1990, I think that was the year, the first year that I hunted in my on my grandfather's farm, and actually lived with my grandfather uh, when I was young with my grandmother and my grandfather on this farm. My um, I stayed with them during the week and lived with them till I was probably six years old. Um, I was actually born in that county and my parents worked in Nashville and, uh, it's, it was a good 90 miles from their place to Nashville. So my parents stayed in town during the week instead of having to make that drive every day. And I lived with my grandparents. And then they came home on the weekend. And uh, it was just a farmhouse, a wood farmhouse, uh, nothing real large, just a country farmhouse and very remote. Uh, we were way out in the country. Uh, houses, you know, 
not close. A lot of farms. Uh, most everybody in that area are farmers. And uh, <clears throat> my first encounter happened uh, on his farm, and it was every year me and three of my friends, close friends, um, took my camper. I had a camper at that time. It was not a large camper, but it slept four or five people, and I'd take it to my truck, and we'd take it to my grandfather's, and I'd park it next to his barn, which was down from his house, and we'd set it up, and he had electricity there at the barn, and I'd plug up everything, run wires to the barn, and we'd set a camp up, and we carried our four-waders and two different trucks, and just had a real good time. We'd go every week up there for the opening week of black powder season, which is muzzleloaf. And uh, that was usually the best time to get your 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 deer during the season because it was before gun season opened. And me and my three friends would go up. We'd stay a week. We'd go the day before season opened and do some scouting and find our spot and either take our climbing stand and we had some stands that we had built uh, the two years prior to that. <clears throat> and we would even use those for the climbing stand, find the spot set up the day before and be ready to hunt opening morning. And uh, we had got there and set up and I'd visit my grandfather there in the house and uh, my granddad was at this particular time, he was 92 years old when this happened. And he was not like a regular 92-year-old man. He was in fantastic condition and hard to believe the condition he was in. But uh, he lived uh, by himself. Him and my grandmother were married for 77 years. But she had moved to town because she wanted modern conveniences and my grandfather didn't care about it. So... He lived on the farm by himself. He never had a car. He drove a mule and two wagons to town, and I would ride with him to town to get groceries on Saturdays. Um, visited him regularly after I'd moved, after I'd, after we had moved to Ridgetop years prior to that. And I'd still visit him quite often, at least every other weekend. And uh, we were real close. So that particular, <clears throat> We, uh, that particular day, I talked to my granddad, and I wanted to go somewhere a little different this time. I had never, I'd always hunted fairly close to the farm or within uh, not a great walking distance from his house or our camping site. And we had lots of hills and hollows, and even some steep hills and hollows in that area, too. I mean, there's some. Some bluffs, some mountains, a lot of hills, uh, 45 degree angles, nothing to have to climb up and down that type of hill. And my grandfather had told me, he said, I said, where do you think I should go to get a, uh, I'm really, I want to get a really big deer this time. I'm looking for a nice uh, rack or mount to hang on my wall. And he told me, if I were you, and he pointed from his back porch, he said, I would go over the, that second hollow that you see over there. If you climb over that second hill, it'll level out and it'll go up over another hill and there'll be an old mill there that doesn't work anymore and the old house that I was born in is in that bottom, but it's fallen in and you'll see the remnants of it with the roof and some of the foundation on the ground. I'd actually been there, but not by walking. We had took a road a uh, few years prior to that to go back to his own place, his old home place. <clears throat> so I took out walking and crossed those hills. I had to cross three broad wire fences. The first one was probably about 300 yards from his house to a sage field. You got to his first fence, and I crossed it. And uh, he had cows, and uh, that's what the barbed wire fencing was for, to keep his cows in. And I crossed that one and made my way up the first hill and crossed it into a hollow and went up the second one, and I had to cross another fence on top of that one. And uh, uh, 
like my way down to the bottom. <clears throat> anyway, by the time I got to the third, the top of the third hill, uh, it was a good walk. It was at least an hour to where I went uh, to the top of that hill. And uh, I, I could see on the top of that hill where he was talking about. It was, uh, it was heavy woods. It wasn't real thick. The leaves were off the trees, just big hardwoods. And going down that hill, I had to cross between a little bluff and a gully to get down to the spot where I could see the the actual spot where the house was. And doing that, I walked along the creek edge, and I seen a tree on the side of the hill that looked like a perfect spot right next to a large, I mean, a long, large, tall cane ticket. And this green cane was probably 12, 15 foot tall, and it was pretty thick all down the side of the creek. And I was a little ways from it, but overlooking the creek and kind of a clearing at the bottom there across the creek. And I found the spot there, and uh, I had a climbing stand that was on my back. I carried like a backpack. And I went ahead and put it around this certain tree, the climber, and then the climbing stand itself. And then I got down and walked around a little bit looking for signs of deer. And uh seen a lot of signs across the creek. It wasn't a very deep creek. It was probably about 10 foot wide, but it maybe maybe a foot deep in certain spots, but it was one that ran all year round. And crossed it, and it was kind of a flat on the other side where you come up the bank, and you can see a trail where a lot of animals have been coming down it, and a lot of deer tracks. Seen some rubs and scrapes, which buck deer make, and they'll fall when they're ready to <clears throat> rut. And, uh, there was a tree limb that I jumped up and grabbed, and I had a drag rag that I had <clears throat> brought with me that I normally put around my foot, around my boot, around your boot, to drag through the woods to kind of cover up your scent. And it has, uh, has it has a solution on it that draws the buck deer uh, to a doe that's in estrus. It's when they become in heat, and that's what brings the deer out in the fall. And uh, I took that rag and jumped up and grabbed this limb and put it on the end of it. And when I let go of it, went back up. It was probably 10 foot off the ground, but hanging down a good enough where it could have a good aroma down the hollow. So I crossed back over and got in the tree and it with my street climber in my street stand and climbed up the tree and uh, kind of trimmed off a few limbs up there where I could have a place to hang some stuff like my lunch and my what I call a candy pack you wear around you that I had some extra um, powder and a powder horn in and scales and that type of thing that you use to pack your muzzle loader. And I got all set up, got it ready for the next morning. So hit it on back, and uh, my grandfather always got up about 4 o'clock in the morning, and I told him where I was at, and he said that ought to be a good spot. And uh, the next morning, uh, you know, I went out with my friends that night in the camper, and we all had dinner, had a big time. We had TV out there, and talking about hunting and that type of thing, got a fire going, went to sleep, and the next morning, my grandfather um, got me up at four in the morning, and my granddad never called me by my name the whole time that I was, that he was alive, he always called me boy, and that's just what my granddad did. Um, I had 13 cousins, and they were all boys, but my granddad and I were probably the closest of all of them, and my grandmother, too, because I had lived with them. So anyway, he got me up that morning, and I headed that direction with my flashlight and my gun and uh, my, my equipment. And it was a good walk uh, after I made it through the fence behind his house. He has a gate that goes behind his house that you open up on, on a little latch, and then you go through a sage field. It's probably 
it may be 200 yards before you get to the wood line. And I got to the wood line, and I crossed the barbed wire fence. Made my way just like I had the day before. After I crossed the barbed wire fence uh, at the second hill, I heard something walking. And I stopped to listen, and I thought, it didn't sound like an animal, a small small critter or anything that you hear in the woods in the morning that I've heard many a time. It sounded like something heavier walking, and I thought, first thing in my mind, that maybe a cow had got out. But I shined a light several times to the left, it was to my left, and I didn't see anything. And then I walked a little further and went on and crossed down to the the last hill that I had to cross where the last fence was, and I still could hear something walking, but when I stopped, it stopped. I got a little nervous thinking, well, somebody's in the woods hunting in my area, or I'm hunting in his area. But I didn't couldn't put that together because I couldn't understand why anybody would be that far back in. And then my grandfather hadn't mentioned anybody hunting back there. So anyway, I got on down. Um, had a hard time finding my stand. It was dark, and for the flashlight, I took the creek and followed it down, and I did run right into my stand after I did that. Uh, a little bit different in the dark than it is the daylight, especially in an area you're not familiar with. So I was a little anxious to get in my stand because I was a little nervous. I was thinking something is in here with me, but I was, didn't, I was thinking it was either a a cow or a person was my first two thoughts because it was very heavy walking. I uh, got in my stand, put the climber on, got up into my tree, got set. I uh, was setting pretty good. That was, I'm guessing, I don't know the exact time that was. It was probably about 530 in the morning. Uh, got my stuff hung on the limbs, my extra equipment, my binoculars, and got set back in my stand. And my stand had like a little, it's like a bar that goes around the front of you, and you can lean your gun up against it. And I pulled that up and set it, and it also had a camo thing that that come out of a stand there. You unsnapped, and it fell down, covering your feet and legs. And I always wore black under my eyes when I hunted, because a lot of times the sun will, when it hits you, it will make your skin kind of shine and Animals can see that pretty easy, especially deer. So I got all set up, and I was setting pretty well. And I still, I still uh, didn't hear anything. That that the louder noise that I heard up to the left and over to the uh, top of the hill to come up up behind me, I did hear at a few more of the larger steps. But after I got set up, I didn't hear them. Hear them. Uh, as much, I heard a few steps going down to my left, and then it just stopped. I didn't hear it anymore. Didn't think much more about it. I got my mind on hunting, and I sat there till, till the sun started to come up, and the creek had a lot of fog off coming off of it that morning. I remember that very well. And it was a real bright, sunny morning, and I'm in a lot of hardwood so I didn't have the sun actually the sun was coming up over to my more to my front slight left and uh I could see the fog coming off the creek and started to see a few creatures running around squirrels that type thing normal morning um and somewhere around seven that morning seven thirty and somewhere in that area uh, three deer to my left came out somewhere around that cane thicket. I don't know if they were exactly in it or the other side of it, but they, I seen them come, I seen them walk, seen the first one walk across the creek and go up on the bank, and then two more followed it, and they were all doe, uh, which is a female deer, in case you don't know. And they started walking on that game trail on the other side of the creek there, and they were just milling around like deer do with their nose in the leaves, and they started eating acorns. We had a large acorn um, crop that year, 
I'd found a lot of them the day before and they were eating the aprons and just walking around like deer do and walking up real slow and stop and eat. And they, I watched them for probably about an hour or a little longer. They've been a little longer than that. It was about a little after eight, eight, maybe eight fifteen or so. Um, when all of a sudden, all three of the deer, the front deer being the bigger doe, there was two other doe. One was kind of to the uh, right of that doe, and one was a little further back behind it. Uh, the front doe stuck its nose up, and when a deer sticks its nose up, it's trying to smell something, and I've seen them do it many a time. And then it stuck its nose up again, and then the other two did the same thing. And the bigger doe uh, brought its head down and kicked the ground a couple times, and it was looking toward the cane area over there. I couldn't quite see all the way around the left of the cane what was over there from where I was sitting. But it was acting pretty strange, and my first thought was, okay, here comes a big buck. It's about to come out because I'd found rubs standing around where I'd put the drag rag. A rub is where deer, deer take his antlers and rub against a tree and rub the bark off to mark its territory. And then all of a sudden, the front deer, the bigger doe, made a blow, a blowing sound like a deer would do. It's a real loud blow, like just like you're kind of like you're blowing your nose, almost. And when it done that, uh, the other two deer look, were just standing there looking and looking the same direction. And uh, then all of a sudden, they turned to the right, and they took off running like somebody had fired a gun at them. They were just running as fast as they could run. And I was looking around trying to figure why they were running, because... Uh, you know, my first thought was, okay, uh, there's a big buck coming out of this area to my left, and and they'd been spooked by it or another one. That was my thought, and I had no idea what it was. And uh, so I sat there a few seconds, maybe four or five, maybe, I don't even think it was that long, maybe about two, couple minutes went by. And then to my left, I seen the cane that I could see, kind of in the middle of the cane area. I could see the cane moving, and it was a maybe a, quite a bit of the cane was moving, like something was pushing on it, and it was kind of swaying back and forth. And I didn't know what that could be because I don't believe a deer could do that. And then this thing stepped out. <clears throat> And when it stepped out of the chain, it took one step. I could see it clearly. It jumped. It, it just jumped the entire creek with one leap. And I'm guessing the creek was about 10 foot wide. It may have been a little more, a little less. And when it jumped the creek, it uh, just about landed real near the, the deer, the game trail there. And it took one step and walked, and then it turned and was looking around, looking in my direction, and it walked right to the game rag that I, the drag rag, I called it, that was hanging in the tree. And then it just turned and looked right at me. Well, by this time, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. I, I was thinking, am I really seeing this? And it was standing there looking at me and I could I was so I didn't know I had that kind of fear in me because I don't stare real easy but this thing was so scary looking it it looked at me staring right at me and I'm probably 60 maybe 60 uh I'm guessing 60 feet from it I'm 20 I'm about 25 up, up in a tree I'm on a slant down the tree 45 degree angle approximately and it's on the side of the creek looking at me and then it shows me its teeth and when it showed me its teeth I honestly thought I was dead I really did 
this thing's going to jump the creek, come over here and just pull me out of my stand and kill me. I was so scared that I couldn't even breathe. And I was having a real difficult time even believing what I was seeing. I had my gun laying by with a muzzle. You have to repack it and reload it with a with a ramrod. And my gun was laying against my bar that was in front of me. I, I reached down and I had my gun and I thought, well, if I shoot this thing with one shell, with one bullet, it's not going to kill it. So I made my decision right then. Uh, I couldn't hardly move, to be honest with you. I was trying to move, but it was like I couldn't hardly move. And uh, this thing just kept staring at me. And then it let out a growl. And this growl was, I've never heard a growl like that. It was It was like a low, guttural growl, but at the same time, it was like a piercing growl. You could almost feel it growling in your chest, or maybe it was just the fear in me, because... Like I said, I never knew I had that type of fear in me. I was I was so scared. I was just absolutely practically paralyzed. I couldn't even breathe. And then it let out a scream that I, I've never heard. And it echoed all down that hollow. And it looked at me. And then it just turned and walked, turned around and just walked back into the brush. Uh, through the hardwoods into the brush out of distance. Well, I was just like scared to death. I didn't know what to do. Uh, I didn't know whether to try to climb down the tree and run or should I stay in the tree. By this time, I had, I was so much in terror that I decided just to jump. So I didn't try to use the stand. I just jumped from the top of my tree stand to the ground, and what I did, I hit the leaves, and I slid all the way down the hill into the creek, and I had my gun in my hand, and uh, when, I, when I landed in the creek, I jumped up real quick, and I'm looking for it to see if this thing was coming back. Well, I turned to the right and got up on the creek bank and run down the creek bank looking back to my left the whole way and then I ran up the hill as fast as I could run. I didn't think I, I probably ran faster than I've ever run in my life. And when I got to the top of that hill, I looked back and I didn't see it. I kept looking back. And then when I crossed the top of that hill, I went down to the bottom of that hollow. And by the time I had got to the top of the next one, I looked back and it was standing there on the top of that hollow that I'd just come from looking at. Well, then I was really scared. I thought this thing was going to chase me down and, and get me. So I ran faster and crossed that hollow, crossed that barbed wire fence, and I got down to the last hollow and where I had to cross the first barbed wire fence. I was running full speed downhill when I got to that fence, and I jumped that fence, and I caught my pants leg at the bottom where my boot met my hunting pants and ripped the whole side of my, the whole bottom part of my um, pants out and tore a big gash in my my calf and my leg. Cleared the fence, but I left part of it on the fence, and I was running as fast as I could. And by that time, I was in the sage field between that barbed wire fence and approximately 200 yards to my grandfather's fence that I had to go to open the gate to go to his house. And when I looked back, I did not see it again. I ran all the way to the house, and I got to the house, the gate. I opened the gate, run in, and run to my grandfather's back porch, and... The door was unlocked on my grandfather's back porch. I ran in and shut the door, locked it, and looked out the back door. I did not see the creature. Ran inside my grandfather. You go into the kitchen through his back part of his porch, and then you go to the right into the living area where he had a, a old potbelly stove in there, and my grandfather had a rocking chair in front of it where he sat all the time with a big old Folgers can that he used to spit in and with his dick and 
I went over and sat in the corner behind the stove, and I was just scared to death. And my grandfather said, boy, what's wrong with you? And I couldn't hardly talk. And he said, you're white as a ghost. What happened? I said, I don't know. I just seen something down there in the woods. And I, I kept getting up and looking out the window to make sure it wasn't coming and going to the back, the back door and looking out. And he said, calm down. What's wrong with you? And I, he said, what have you done to yourself? And I had that big gash in my cast and my pants were cold. And I said, I don't know. I read there was something in the woods, a monster or some kind of creature down there. And my grandfather said, oh, you seen one of them, didn't you? And I said, what are you talking about? And he said, you seen one of them wood burgers? I said, wood burger? What is a wood burger? He said, well, the old folks, old people, as my granddad called all his people, which was his parents and aunts and uncles, he called the old people. He said, they called them wood boogers. He says, most folks around here just call them boogers. And I said, what is a booger? And he said, well, they live around here. I've seen four in my lifetime. Seen four. He said, they don't bother you. He says, you get in their territory. They don't like you in their territory. Best get out. And I said, well, I must have gotten this territory. This thing was going to kill me. He goes, they're not going to hurt you. He said, I've hurt them all my life, and I've seen them, but I've never had them hurt anybody. And I said, why didn't you tell me these things were here? He said, well, if I'd have told you they were here, wouldn't have camped in the woods when you were a kid, and you wouldn't have played in the hayloft, and you wouldn't have done everything that you've done on the farm. And I didn't want to tell you that. He said, you remember when you were a little boy, we met. Grandma would tell you to get in at dark because a booger man would get you. And I said, yeah. He said, well, that's the booger man. I said, how do you live here with these things being there? I said, I've been hunting here all these years. I've never seen one. He goes, they see you, but you don't see them. And I said, okay. I said, he said, I don't know if I'm harming anybody. He said, the funny thing about them is I hear them a lot more than I see them. He said, in the one, my grandfather had a big old split rail chicken house that built years ago to the left of it. He had 50 or 60 chickens. And he said, in the wintertime, they come to the chicken house and they'll take a couple chickens. They won't take them all. They'll just take a few. When they get hungry, can't find food. He said, they'll leave a little, little stack of rocks and sticks like they're paying for it. I said, like they're paying for it. He said, yeah, they, that's just what they do. And uh, my grandfather, like I said, was about 92 at that time, and he died about six years later in 98. But uh, that was his story, and uh, it was the most terrifying thing I've ever been through at that time in my life, and I've never been into anything like that before. I had nightmares for, oh, gosh, it, it actually gave me insomnia because I didn't want to go to sleep because I was afraid I'd have the nightmare. Um, I went out right. the next day. I went out the next. I went out that same day later after I'd calmed down a little bit. My buddies had come in from deer hunting and they were out at the camper and they were getting the grill going. They were going to cook some food and I went out there and sat with them, but I was just a nervous wreck. And they were all looking at me and asking me what was wrong with me. I said, oh, I'm okay. I said, have y'all ever seen anything in the woods up here? And they said, well, what do you mean? I said, have y'all ever seen anything that looked kind of like a Bigfoot? Well, they all started laughing. They said, man, what have you been drinking? I said, oh, nothing. Don't, don't pay no attention. I didn't mention anything else about it because I could tell they didn't believe what I was telling them. So... I lived with that for a long time and really didn't have anybody to tell that to. Because um, everybody you mentioned it to, they thought you were either crazy or you were lying about it. But, uh, right, uh, Daryl, we I don't mean to interrupt you, buddy, but can you describe the, the creature that you saw? And how tall was it? What did its face look like? And you said it showed its teeth to you. Can you, can you tell us what, give us a little bit more detail about what it looked like? Sure. It was solid black. Uh, nothing but black. It had regular black eyes. They weren't red like I've heard about. Uh, 
it was actual. If you've seen the pictures, which I've actually posted some of those in my group, I've seen these pictures before, but suppose you know, there's like 10 different type of Bigfoot. This one was what was called the type two, which is called the wood booger, which we seem to have more of those in Tennessee. And we also have what's called the type one, which is more like the patty looking one that you see from the patty film that was famous from, uh, you know, Roger and, and gambling back in the sixties. But this was the wood booger looking one is what I understand is called a type two. It's a really mean looking one. Uh, this had regular teeth, no fangs or anything like that. They looked like human teeth, except they were stained. They were brown looking. They weren't white. Uh, it had a, this particular Bigfoot would just had a real mean look to it. It was just evil looking. And it was, uh, I'm guessing by the tree, uh, it was about 10 foot to the, when, when I let the limb go to, to fly up. One thing I meant to tell you a minute ago, I'm sorry I left that out, but when it did look up and grab the drag rag, uh, it, it reached up to grab it. It broke the whole tree limb out and threw it on the ground. And, uh, that sent a lot of fear for me too. But, uh, that thing looked like, I never, I, I have a picture that I've seen that looks like one of them. And it's called the top two. It's, uh, it, it's, it was probably about eight foot tall, between seven and a half and eight foot tall. It wasn't real heavy. Like a patty type, uh, it's guessing on weight. Weight, it probably weighed four five hundred, but it was really mean looking. The face was so mean, and uh, the face was kind of like black, leathery looking. Um, it looked a lot like a black man in the face. Uh, it had hair all on its face. It didn't have hair right under its eyes, but all the rest. His nose had hair on his nose, and it had hair above the brow, the brow ridge. But the rest of his face was more like a black leather look. And uh, like I said, eyes were black; uh, they weren't red. Um, it was it was not like a a real huge one, which I that I think picture, but. But it was the meanest looking one that I've ever seen. It was, it was definitely uh, a definition of a monster because it looked like one. Well, you, uh, you described it as looking evil, and we've, we've heard that lots before. So I have another question for you. When you said it, it stepped out of the, the cane patch and took a jump, how far did it jump? Well, I was estimating that that creek to be somewhere between 10 and 12 foot wide, uh, probably closer to 10 than 12, but it, it, it jumped from right out of the cane patch. To, it, it was a, just a little small bank area between that and where the cane started, and it jumped from the edge of that bank, just made a leap right across the creek to the other side. And, uh, pretty much landed almost on the game trail that was right next to the edge of that creek and turned to the right and started walking. That's when it walked up to the, uh, drag rag and then turned and just stared at me. It looked right at me. It knew where I was at. I had no doubt right. in my mind after I got back thinking about it. That's what I heard that morning walking in the woods. Uh, it followed right. me. Can you I'm sorry, can you estimate the distance between, uh, from the cane patch to the trail that it landed on or next to? How far would you say that was? From the, from where the cane patch started and, and where it went next to the front part of the creek bank, from that distance to the other side of the creek where the game st trail started was probably about 12 foot, maybe. Probably about 12 okay. foot, I'm guessing. Cause the creek probably around Better. I, you know, it was a little bit wider in some spots than it was in other. You know, it kind of widened and got narrower, but the part I had crossed the day before was probably about 10 foot. So it was right around that area of, of distance. But uh, this, this thing uh, really, 
I don't really know how to explain it. I, I've never been that scared before, and I didn't know I had fear in me like that. But uh, if just every night I went to sleep for the first week, I couldn't even sleep. I would wake up thinking about it, and that went on for a good year. I mean, it wasn't as bad as a year went on, but I would wake up thinking about it in the middle of the night or sleep very little or didn't want to go to sleep because I didn't want to think about it. And when I did go to sleep, it seemed like I would dream about it. It was like watching it all over again in my mind. And uh, it, it, the weird thing about it was now that I think back, and you know, if it wanted to kill me, it could have. Right. I don't know why, why it did want to kill me, but it sure looked like it wanted to. But uh, I don't know if it was the same one that I seen on the second hill when I went down. It may have been another one, but it sure looked like the same one. But um, yeah, I think the fear you have these things in your mind. You know, when I heard Barton's story at the conference, man, it, it just like kicked in my fear that I had that day. And, you know, I still have that fear in me now, but not like I did. But after I had my other encounter about seven years from then, I didn't hunt. I quit hunting. I, from that day, I never went back to that spot again. But as far as I know, my stand is still there and my equipment's still hanging in the tree. Um, I mean, let's say it went over there and tore it off or whatever, or somebody happened to wander down through there and get it. I've never been back to that spot since. And never. Yeah, I don't blame you. I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. I said, I don't, I don't blame you for that. And we all. Darrell, we all have a primordial fear of monsters in us. We're born with it. So it's nothing unusual for the bravest of men to see one of these creatures and be just paralyzed with fright. Well, you know, I didn't ever believe that kind of thing was around here. It was nothing like what I thought Bigfoot would have looked like. So what what did you what did you think Bigfoot would, would look like, Daryl? Well, I, you know, by, by seeing pictures, you know, of, <coughs> excuse me, uh, pictures of what Patty looked like, you know, uh, that was probably the first real evidence that I'd seen of Bigfoot. And, uh, you know, I really never thought about Bigfoot. I was, I didn't know that I believed in it or I didn't believe in it. I didn't even think about it. I'd hunted, I'd hunted in these woods since I was, I got my first shotgun when I was nine years old. It was a 14 single shot, and I'd hunted all over those woods. Squirrel hunted, rabbit hunted, you know, just any kind of small game when I was a kid. And I was by myself most of the time because my, my cousins weren't there, and my brothers didn't stay up there very much. Um, I stayed up there a lot because I was real close to my grandparents, but... uh you know, I've never seen anything like that. Just regular game animals. Never heard anything. Uh, I don't really ever recall even seeing, you know, the signs that I know of Bigfoot's there now by broken limbs and markers and different type things, but I may have, but I never thought about it. But, you know, after, you, after that, it, it, it completely changed my life. Because it, it really had me uh, quite frightened to go back into the woods again, and I didn't I didn't care at all. And you know, my friends went back next year. I went back with them the next year. We went back to to my grandfather's farm. They all hunted. I did not hunt. I told them I just didn't care to hunt no more. But we'd all go. I never told them anything else about the Bigfoot because they kind of thought I was crazy when I mentioned it to them. And they were close friends, and I didn't want them making jokes about it all the time, so I didn't mention it anymore. But uh, I didn't stay in the camper. They stayed in my camper. I stayed in my grandfather's house. And uh, they thought that was different because I always stayed in the camper with them. I'd hang out with them until it was time to go to bed, and I'd go to my grandfather's and stay in one of his rooms in his house. And... uh you know, they hunted. They never seen anything. Of course, they never went back as far as I went. You know, I, I, I believe that those things were in this particular area. I know they're everywhere. They're not just way out in the 
wilderness, but in this particular area, they were deep. Now, at a certain time of the year, they come close because they came to my grandfather's house to get chips. So, but he wasn't scared of them. Um, that was another thing. And, you know, he and I had talked about this several times after that, uh, at his house. And he, I know, I remember him asking me several times that he would get up at four o'clock in the morning and like farmers, he would milk his cows and I'd walk with him to the barn and just walking to the barn. I mean, I was just nervous thinking this thing's out there. It was, uh, really different what it done to me. I would have never thought something could have changed me in that way. But but I had those nightmares for a good seven years and I still have one on the but it was real freak with the first three or four. It was very difficult to sleep and and it kept me from not wanting to go to sleep. And um <clears throat> we hunted up there another three or four years after that. Uh, I did, and my friends did. They went with me, and they killed deer every year. And they never seen anything that I'm aware of, but they didn't mention it. But uh, I do know that uh, I do believe that there are different types of beasts. I don't know how many different types, but I believe there's different types. I think there's some that are evil and may even be the next. I don't, I don't think they're the next one, but I do believe there are some that aren't like but I think maybe they're like people. There's a bad ones and good ones. This one obviously may have looked mean, uh, but didn't try to kill me, and it could have. Because I was up a tree, and it could have gotten crazy. Do you think that, um, like, like, okay, now you're talking about some of them being good, some of them being evil. Just from the look of the one that you saw, just, I mean, like, throwing all, you know, everything else out of the window, just looking at it, it looked evil, right? I've never seen anything that was that scary in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. It still happened. It was uh, unbelievable. And and here's the question for me: like, if if it if it looks that way in the face, and it looks like it it looks like monstrous, and the way it's built and everything else, the there, there would be no purpose, you know, for it to be to look. Uh, evil. I mean, unless it, you know, like you know what I mean. Like, if it's interacting with people that can read its facial expressions and see, and they see it, and it's that—that that would be the only thing to do to scare people away. Because the prey animals and everything else, it doesn't matter whether it looks evil or menacing. It's gonna know, you know what I mean? Like, like lions and tigers and and even other primates. I mean, they they don't they don't go around looking evil. You know what I mean? Like, you, people don't describe like. Uh, an encounter with a lion or a, or a mountain gorilla and they're like, Oh, it was just, it looked so evil. You know what I mean? That That's the thing right. that gets me is like when people start talking about these things being natural creatures, like when they, when they start telling me, Oh, Bigfoot or they're just natural forest people, whatever the heck, you know? I, and, they, and then they describe it, this evil looking creature. Like, I don't, it just doesn't make sense to me. Like why, why would it need to look menacing in the face and evil? I mean, that's the part that always throws me off, and then people say, "Well, it, 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 if, it, if it wanted to kill me, it could have, you know." And probably, yeah. I mean, but you you got away from it, and I mean, but do you, do you feel in your heart, like, do you think and feel emotional wise, and and just logically, just putting those two together, um, do do you feel like and think that it would have it would have hurt you if it got its hands on you? That particular Bigfoot that I seen that day, I believed at that time, and I still believe if I haven't, if I hadn't gotten out of the area, it would have done something to me. It wanted me out of this area because that scream it let out. I, I'm sitting here now telling you the story, and I'm I'm not exaggerating. I've got chills on me all over remembering that fear that it gave me. The growl, the teeth was was were bad enough, and because uh, it just gritted its teeth at me, and it was staring at me in the tree, and and when when it reached up and smelt that drag rag and just ripped that whole branch, this wasn't a huge branch; it was probably two or three inches around at the 
maybe four inches where it joined the tree. And at the very end where I had the drag rag, it was just mainly small limbs. But it just just ripped it out of the tree and threw it on the ground. And when it did that, and it it looked back at me and, and, and made that growling sound, that was not a growling sound welcoming me, welcoming me to its area. It was telling me, you better get out of here or I'm going to come and get you out of here. And that's what I felt yeah. from. And uh, that's why I was so scared. I didn't even want to try to climb down the tree climb and then my climbing stand because that's a good, you know, if you're fast on those things and you're on a tree with the right kind of bark, I can climb a tree to where I was at in maybe 10 minutes. You know, it takes some time to, you want to mash it in the tree deep to be able to come down where it won't slide with you. So I, I wasn't going to take time for that because I knew what that would take more time than I may have. So right. after the screen it let out, uh, it's, it was just, I still feel that screen. It, it was the most, God awful scream I've ever heard. I've never heard anything like that. I've heard right, this is Robertson <laughs> County Robertson County, Tennessee. This was in Canada. Okay. What year was it, Daryl? It was November the sixth of nineteen ninety two. The creature itself I seen at eight twenty three in the morning. And the reason why I know that, I don't know if you remember or not, you may not have had one, but Back in the 80s and the 90s, I always wore those old Iron Man watches. They're called Iron Man. They had, they had a little button on the side called Indiglow. You could push that button, and it would light your watch up, and you could see in the dark. And yeah. I would push the button, and you could see when I was hunting, because I always got in the woods before daylight, and I could see what time it was. And I remember pushing the button that morning, and I could see 823 when that creature was there and, and I wanted to know what time it was so I would never come back. And I, I yeah. you know, when I got out of there and got back to that house that day, I, I, I remember my grandfather was so calm about it. That was the thing that really, I just couldn't, my grandfather was pretty calm anyway, uh, but not, I just couldn't get over the fact how calm he was that I'd seen this thing. It didn't seem to, to have to scare him at all. And he and, said he had uh, seen four yeah. of these things before? He said he had seen four in his lifetime. He said he had heard a lot more of them. He heard them. And he knew the sounds they made in the woods. And he never mentioned whoops or any of the things that I've heard now. Uh, you know, but he did mention hearing them scream. He heard them scream in the hollows before. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard it or not, but if you've ever been around country folks, my, my grandparents were just real country folks living in a rural area. You know, they had a certain way they called cows in at night. And my grandfather would go out in the field at night, and I'd go with him, and he had this long, hot, long yell that he made to call the cows in. And the cows would come in and go to the barn. And uh, I remember now times hearing him call scream like he did with a call that he made for the cows and I remember something screaming back at him and I even asked him about that and he said oh yeah sometimes they'll answer you because me and him had a lot of conversations over the over the next we didn't have as many conversations much about it that year that it happened because I was a nervous wreck for the whole rest of the trip. I had six more days with my buddies, and I knew I wasn't hunting anymore. And uh, I didn't care to even go outside. But, uh, you know, it was... But going back the next two or three years, you know, me and my grandfather talked about it. He encouraged me to go ahead and hunt, but I just didn't feel comfortable going in the woods. And... uh he told me that he had heard a lot of sounds that they made. He didn't express what all of them were, but uh, I know for a fact when he would call the cows, I had heard something kind of like yelled back toward him. And, 
and he had said yes, it was probably one of those creatures that were, that you're talking about, the boogers. He, he just called them boogers. He said his, the old people called them wood boogers. Now, when I looked up pictures, actually, when I started looking up pictures after that happened, with weeks after that, I started investigating, trying to figure out what this thing was, like, like a kind of picture of it. And I did find one that looked almost identical to it. And it was actually listed as Type 2 Woodbooker. And it looked just like the creature in the face. What, where did you get this up. picture from? I can't remember at a library I went to. Um, there was pictures of them there. I think if I remember the site, I believe it was called Reddit, but I could be wrong. And I've actually looked it up since then on my phone, and I found pictures of them. And it is the type two woodbucker. So the one I seen anyway at that particular time. Now I had another I had another uh encounter about seven years from then. I think it was either ninety nine or ninety eight, but nothing like that. It wasn't terrifying like that. But and it was a different type of creature. It was more like the patty type. The head was more different and it was it looked more like the cone, more cone-headed type of creature. It was, it was not like that one. Do you think so, there are two different type type of species, almost? Like, I don't know that there's different species. I, I think they're all the. They could be. I, I, you know, I just don't. I don't think anybody actually really knows the answer to that. But I, I think, you know, kind of probably like people. I mean, there's a, you know, there's American Indian. There, there's black people. There's you know, Caucasian Americans, there's Chinese. There's did they have all the same people. kind of to, to, to kind of fur? Like, did, did it have the same kind of fur, like hair? You know, as the other one. That's what I'm asking. The one I seen the first time to the one I seen about seven years later, uh, I'm the fur was different. Uh, it was it was not as black. This one was so black, it was like, like I mean, I don't, it was as black as you can imagine. Um, the one I seen later on, and I actually seen three of those at this spot, and their hair was not as dark, and it seemed like it was, it was more of a, a, a more coarse type fur. It kind of stuck out a little more. Or this was more slick down type fur. The first one, it was more of a. It looked like a fur that had that was nasty or dirty. It was it was more, kind of a more matted looking down type fur than the ones I'd seen later on. Me, right, so you would describe it as fur and and instead of hair. Well, it was it's hard, you know, when you're about, you know, I'm guessing I was maybe sixty feet from this thing. I'm in a tree, twenty five up, looking down across the creek, not really very far, but. Uh, it was. I, I didn't see any skin. Is my point. I could see skin on the hands, or more leathery looking on the fingers. Uh, and I can. The face looked more like the fingers. It was more leathery. Now I seen the top of the hands, not the bottom. But uh, that part looked more like leather, like black leather almost. Uh, right. What about the shape of its head, Daryl? Was it a rounded, human-like head, or? Uh, it'd have a sagittal crest like a gorilla. No, it, Cone was shaped like, it was more like a human's head. More like a human's head, yeah. for sure. Okay, folks, so that's going to do it for this episode. Uh, tune into the next episode where I return with my guest and with Barton Nunley. And thank you for listening to PRT. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Good night.